everybody. We're so excited today to be here at the Hallmarkies podcast, and this is our third episode of our new top five show where we talk about all different kinds of films, not just Hallmark films, but uh, we pick a topic and we bring in some fun guests and we talk about five films that fit that topic. And it's been really fun so far. We have done uh, sports and we did movies to watch on Valentine's Day, and that was really fun. And uh, I'm so excited today because we are in honor of One Calls the Heart. We are talking about what I call period piece movies. So the rule for this podcast is that you had to pick uh, any film that was 1950, set in 1950 or before. So that was kind of, that was what we decided. And it's going to be really fun to talk about. And I have special guests today. I have two sisters that are known on Twitter as the Sanderson sisters. And it's Ginny and Laura are here. And this could be so much fun. Thanks so much, ladies, for joining me. No, thanks so much for having us. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You want to go, Jen? Yes. Well, I'm a lawyer by day and just super Hallmark fan by night. And yes. for long-time listeners of your podcast, we, we may be the original listeners. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I think since the inception, we've been listening. <laughs> and, um, I'm Laura. I'm the younger sister. We actually have a middle sister in between who's just too cute for us. So no. <laughs> um, and I am basically a stay-at-home mom, but I'm also a freelance writer. I used to be a journalist. And again, we grew up on Hallmark movies. We've been watching them and we both like to write and we decided why not channel that towards Hallmark. So we've been writing scripts with Hallmark in mind and we're kind of shopping them around right now. And we're hoping that eventually we'll make it to a Hallmark channel near you. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. How fun. It's super wish, fun. Wish that my sisters liked Hallmark. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't. <laughs> you can just be honorary sister. You really can. Yes. How oh, good. Yes. Well, that, that's really cool. So I, where, where are you guys from? We're in Portland, Oregon right now. Oh, great. My brother and his family live in Portland. Awesome. Um, yeah. I haven't actually been there, but, uh, but I want to go eventually and, and see it. Uh, but yeah, my, my brother is like the classic Portlandite guy. Uh-huh. He's got yeah. the long beard and the... <laughs> Yes, yes. Portland stereotypes are true, but it's so beautiful and um, it's a really fun place to live. We've enjoyed it. So I moved up here first and I managed to convince like most of the family to follow. So we grew up in Phoenix though. Very different, but we were ready to go for a different climate. Yeah. So you got got tired of all that sun. Yes. (laughs) And wanted some rain all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So did you, you, you guys grew up watching, watching Hallmark? Yes. Like clear. Cause we're old. So clear back <laughs> in the day when there wasn't even a Hallmark channel and you just had to wait yeah. for those like, um, few gems of Hallmark Hall and Fame productions. Yes. On the, the major networks. Yeah. And then so- we've gotten into all of the current ones and I don't think we've missed one in a couple of years. And we've even dissected them down to a spreadsheet where we chart every act and what happens. Oh and- my gosh. So we haven't done that for all of them. No, not all of them. It takes the fun out if you do it to too many. Wow. That's really cool. I, do you have a favorite? Oh, a favorite. We're going to talk about one of our favorites. We are going to talk about one of our older favorites of current ones. I mean, you really can't beat some of the nine lives of Christmas window waterland. I mean, there's some classics, right? I'm trying to think of a recent one that I really enjoyed. Um, well, I'm really enjoying the new mysteries. We also love the Mystery Channel, so oh, all of the new mysteries that have come out. The mysteries, I, I've warmed off to them a little bit. I realized that I think I like sort of the the little bit more silly ones, mm-hmm. probably better than the really serious ones, mm-hmm. because I mean I wasn't a big fan of the Haley Dean, even though I love Kelly Martin, uh, but I. I don't know, like I liked this recent Emma Fielding one because it was just nutty. Like yeah, I, it was pretty nutty. I liked yeah. it too. Like I loved those like pedantic professors that were like <laughs> they were really funny. And I don't know, sometimes the ones that are super serious and we're like, we're really solving crime are just a little too boring for me. Uh-huh. So I don't know. It's interesting. That's why garage sale mystery sometimes can be so much fun. I don't think yes. I expected it to be as fun as it is, but it's just, you know 
find a dead body, go home and make lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think it's by far the best series, Uh the Gressel mysteries for sure. My favorites. I really love, uh, I really love trading Christmas. Do you have a favorite Christmas one? I guess you said nine lives. We love trading Christmas. We love that one. I watch it a couple times each Christmas. Yeah. Um, uh, this most recent Christmas, my favorite was shoe attic. Um, that was tough for me too, but, um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a couple. I thought road to Christmas was fun. Um, there were, there were a few different ones. Of course, now I'm blanking on like all the my two favorites, but I watched them all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, those, those are my two favorite. Also road to Christmas was my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. And then shoe addicts was my second. Cause I don't know. I just thought they were the most, uh, well-written and engaging and I don't know I really enjoyed I knew I would like shoe addicts because I I really liked the book mm-hmm. and oh. uh, and then it proved to be I think I think they did a really good job but uh but yeah it was an interesting uh interesting season <laughs> yeah. Christmas season this last but Winterfest I really brought it so I felt like yeah, yeah. I've almost always liked Winterfest because I I mean I, like I love the birthday wish that's one of my oh. favorites such a good one. Oh, it's so good and then one winter weekend and one winter proposal amazing mm-hmm. yes so that, that good. one also has my husband's stamp of approval loves those <laughs> oh really he liked them <laughs> oh that's good <laughs> i'll watch this one again yeah yeah so what for you guys is the appeal of of, of hallmark in general for you for you for me, the appeal is that I can watch it with friends. I can watch it with my mom. You can watch it with any audience and you're not really worried about, um, you know, people being offended by the content or uh, even those who might have more of like a kind of a highbrow taste. Um, I think they appreciate Hallmark. It's like comfort food um, television, you know, uh, it's something you can put on and within a few minutes you're in the story, even if you told yourself that you weren't going to be. Um, and that's what I like about it. It's not something you have to think about too much when you're watching. It's something that really helps you relax and just like be in another person's yeah. world for two hours. Yeah. I, I really think cozy lifestyle is kind of something some of us pursue, maybe some more than others. And that, that's what it is. It's, it's so cozy. Um, mm-hmm. Even when it's a mystery, even when it's, you know, a holiday type thing, there's something about it that's just so enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think they are just sweet and you can watch, yeah, you can watch them with their whole family and people will call out the tropes and the stuff. And I'm like, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's not a bad thing. thing. I mean, and then some of them don't do it well. Some of them lean on the trope too much, but I don't know. Like it's, it's nice sometimes too. It's like, it's cool to see something really, really original, but it's also really fun to watch something that's just, that's, that takes a, a formula, but then does it really well and has good yeah. chemistry. And yeah, yes. that, that's been our goal with writing is we're really trying to go where we embrace the fun tropes, uh, get rid of maybe some of the tired ones. And then also just kind of add a little bit of a fresh spin. We're trying to, we're, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We really uh-huh. just want to give you the best yeah. of Hallmark. So we've tried hard to hit that sweet spot. Who would be in your, in your Hallmark movie, who would be your kind of dream cast? Oh boy. Well, we were talking about, I'm working on something that I was like, this is a Paul Campbell. This, this oh, was a Paul Campbell. Yeah. There's no way around it. It has a little bit of a goofy edge and I'm like, he, he'd be good for that. Um, I, I really turned into a Candace Cameron Bure fan mm-hmm. because I wasn't one who like really grew up like loving Full House or something like that. Um, and uh, I just think that she has got both dramatic chops and comedic skills and that's yeah. what sets her performance apart and I believe her as a businesswoman who's trying to take over an Alaskan lodge and I also believe her as um you know a girl who works at a department store who's struggling to get her life yeah. together right I, I mean I love so many and then we've seen some more leading ladies too in the last little bit and I've seen a lot of ones that I thought okay you know I I, I see where this is headed I like it um, yeah. I also, I like Mark Lucas. I think he always makes oh. a great leading man, right? I like yeah. that he's more of your, your brawny leading man, but there's all kinds of, I mean, yeah, uh, great, great leads on Hallmark. Well, when we see your CCB Paul Campbell movie, <laughs> really yes. exciting. Yes. If, if you're listening, call me. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, this is really cool. So yes. Are, do you guys watch When Calls the Heart? 
I do. I, I, I've, I've watched some, but she, she's made it all the way through. I haven't quite caught up. It's something, my mom's really into it. And so we tried to get together and watch it. Um, uh-huh. We have not, we only made it halfway through last week's episode though. So don't quiz me. On that. <laughs> oh, did you get, you got, you get interrupted? Um, yeah, it was Oscars <coughs> night. There was a lot going on. Oh yeah. It was my finest hour of, of uh, live tweeting that I've ever done. <laughs> hours i should say yeah it was pretty amazing i had the uh, oscars on on the t on the tv and i was watching the uh and i was live tweeting the chronicle Mysteries. so i was literally live tweeting both at the same time wow. and i think they were both pretty solid threads i i <laughs> you were truly a renaissance woman i have noticed that i'm mm-hmm. like does she have extra hours in her day because she sees it all, tweets it all, <laughs> and still has time for life on the side? Well, it's called insomnia, and it's not <laughs> fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I couldn't I I could only do that with watching one if one of them was like nonfiction, you know, had no like the fact the Oscars. Right. I just yes. have to look up and be like, oh, look, so-and-so went a one, yay. And, uh-huh. uh, and so, but it, it was pretty good. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Wind Calls the Heart, I, 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 I like it fine. I enjoy it. I think the premiere was really strong this last, this, this last um, week. And so, you know, I enjoyed that and looking forward to episode two. I just there's something about the the Hallmark formula that to me is more palatable in a two hour movie than a than a series, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah I mean it's it's fine I like my favorite is the Good Witch of all the series but yes that's a great I, yeah because I love Catherine Disher so yeah. much and that one has the whimsy I, I I like my Hallmark with the side of whimsy yeah I think that's what makes it fun and they all have such great chemistry. Yeah. on that show and sometimes when calls art can be a little slow for me uh but uh but i i do like the kids and uh i love um rosemary and and leland are great i think aaron krakow is great but uh but i'm kind of excited to see what what happens without jack so yeah i uh, agree but, yeah we all miss jack but it's gonna be like a breath of fresh air in mm-hmm. the, the series mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right. So in in honor of When Calls the Heart, I thought it would be fun to to do this episode on period pieces. And uh, I, I've always been a big fan of royalty movies as far as like old school kind of movies. Uh, I, you know, I really love Jane Austen. I love Dickens. I love the novels. Plus I, I love, you know, adaptations and uh, and so I don't know. I thought this would be kind of a fun uh, topic. And uh, did you guys have any kind of surprises or anything? What, how did how do you feel about your about your list uh, in, uh, in your lists? I should say. I think one thing we're worried about is that our lists are too similar, and that <laughs> they're pieces having grown up in the same house. Yeah, from a very specific period. And- uh huh. We do not have any sort of like ancient, like biblical times you oh, know, okay. on this. Uh, it's all pretty much uh, 18th century and England. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, I, I think we're going to have some nice variety. And I, I think sometimes these movies get a rap for being, for being a, little, a little dry, a little boring. But what in your mind makes for a good, uh, a good period piece movie? I really think that it's similar to Hallmark. I think what you're looking for is that kind of um, instant connection romance. You know, sometimes it's that first frenemy situation where they they hate each other so much that they begin to love each other. Other times it's a forbidden kind of love where people aren't expecting them to. And it, it's beautiful, it's simple, and it, it's really swoony. Yeah. And that's what I love in a period piece. I mean, there's some that deal with hard issues and we didn't really touch on those because those aren't as rewatchable for me. Uh-huh. But I do love a period piece with just a great romance that just kind of defies the odds of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, on top of that, I would say I want a strong female lead, um, society as the antagonist, and also great costumes. Because yeah, I, yeah. I half watch them for the costumes. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. 
yeah and i they're i don't know they they there's sometimes i feel like the sort of rules of these different time periods can add sort of a layer and make it more interesting than you know like we're familiar with our rules and with our customs and way of life and stuff so could you go back to a you know jane austen for instance where they have all of these rules of etiquette and kind of how they're supposed to behave it's kind of uh i don't know it's just really fun yeah and I long for the simplicity when they just like cross stitch for an hour or play the organ. I think, yeah, I'd, I'd like this. I know there were terrible parts to it, but yeah, that appeals to me. Well, yeah, that's very true. Because I've always said people are like, if you could, if you could uh, live uh, in a movie, which which one would you pick? And people are picking like the Avengers and stuff. I'm like, I don't want to live in that. Are you crazy? And <laughs> so, but I always picked, I always pick Pride and Prejudice because it's like what's the worst thing that can happen to you? You, uh, you know, have to apologize for insulting somebody at lunch. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I love the fact that, that in that day and era, there was always something nice that you could say about anything. Cause you could always ask about a person's person's mother, how their health is. Uh-huh. <laughs> Things you could talk about the weather. Uh, and now it seems like there's that, that's people just don't even care anymore just, yeah. yeah i miss those pleasantries yes that's right uh so very good well it's i'm excited to see what you guys came up with well so mine really aren't in like a one to five order it's okay. just five that i really like and i had a ton on my honorable mentions list because there are this is definitely one of my favorite uh genres if you can call it that of film but i finally went for my number five i went with the movie love and friendship and this movie is a is based on an obscure novel it's novella really from jane austen uh called lady susan it's it's sort of interesting because she has another novella called love and friendship but this one is actually lady susan but they called it Love and Friendship, so it's a little confusing. But um, what I loved about this movie is it's directed and written, adapted by Whit Stillman. And he's such a great director when it comes to dialogue and writing female characters. And I like the fact that uh, Lady Susan, played by Kate Beckinsdale, is uh, kind, of, kind of a jerk, <laughs> kind of a terrible person when you break it down. But like, nothing that she does is really hurting anybody that much because they, I don't know, she's just the smartest person in the room at all times. And uh, I particularly loved any, any, any interactions with her and Chloe Sevigny, uh, who plays this American friend of hers. And it was just hilarious. This movie is definitely, in my opinion, the funniest Jane Austen uh movie and uh like i just love the fact that her husband is always savinia's husband is always telling her that she can't meet with lady susan anymore it's just just like my husband says i can no longer be (laughs) you know and she she uh she's just like i said always the smartest person in the room like she manipulates people but in the end the she manipulates them to a happy place so you can't really be mad at her and so you just laugh and I love all the little little performances and you know as far as costumes and everything it's all really strong there and uh, it's just kind of this interesting heroine I feel like for Jane Austen that's unlikable but like smart and funny and so you end up rooting for her even though you know she's kind of a jerk <laughs> so I, that's yeah I really love that one awesome. great have you if you had the chance if you guys got to see that it, I believe that I have seen it, but as you're describing it, I realize it's time for another look. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen it, but when you s- describe it, it sounds just like something I would want to watch. So yeah. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. I, I thought it was really, really funny. And it helped when I first saw it. I saw X-Men Apocalypse, which was a movie <laughs> I loathe. I, I really was not for me. And and then I saw Alice Through the Looking Glass. This And... Oh. The, the same weekend and that I saw Love and Friendship and I was just like, this movie's amazing. <laughs> yes. renewed, renewed my faith in, in film. <laughs> Take me away movie. 
Yes, because I was not a big fan of either of those other two films. Uh, but I, I just, I just really enjoyed. It. I think it's really funny. So, uh, what about you, Jeannie? What's your number five? My number five is Marie Antoinette. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. 2006, directed by Sofia Coppola with Kirsten Dunst and Jason Schwartzman. It's kind of a well-known story about, um, <laughs> you know, this this Austrian girl really who uh ends up becoming queen of france just before uh, the french revolution and you know famously was insensitive to uh the needs of the working class people that she was the monarch for um but i just love the look of this movie um, it has a very distinctive look where everything is done in these like really soft pastels um you just want to go to a bakery that is like set in the middle of this movie um, <laughs> I remember at the time it came out back in 2006, it was kind of like, you know, the, the top of like Paris Hilton at the peak of her popularity. And people were very critical of the film for just kind of being about Marie Antoinette doing nothing all day and sort of succumbing to her own celebrity. And I'm like, oh, but th- this is actually what's going on in our culture at this time. And I, I really feel like it almost was ahead of its time and kind of predicting this, you know, like look at me culture and and people just kind of like being so introspective they're not aware of the things that are going around them every day and and I think it really holds up and I also love it's it's unique on my list in that it incorporates a very modern like kind of a new wave soundtrack Uh and um I thought that was kind of a fun aspect to it that's really cool I actually have not seen this I need to get with it because I I've heard heard good things and it looks like it looks very unique and a lot of fun no, it is. Yeah, really I, I like it. And as long as you go into it realizing this is not going to be some deep historical lesson, but really just kind of a look at who Marie might have been. Um, yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. I kind of liked uh, Mary, uh, Queen of Scots, this last year, kind of for that same, like mm-hmm. it is not historically accurate at, yeah. all. <laughs> and, at all. But, but uh, I don't know. I just felt like the actresses were having enough fun and it was kind of silly enough and enjoyable and it was just an escapism kind of thing yeah you you will love that it's right in the same line (laughs) very cool good pick okay uh so laura what about your what's your number five okay so uh all all of my lists i kind of went with the ones that i've just worn out rewatching um versus maybe critically acclaimed so number five for me is emma the gwyneth paltrow 1996 uh film uh we, we, we all know the story <laughs> about Emma and it's kind of been redone, but what I just love about it is it's, it's not a love triangle. It's kind of like a, I, I don't even know, like a love octagon where we're just kind of all moving in this circle of love from one suitor to the next and everyone kind of likes the same people. So um, I'm trying to think about, you know, Emma Woodhouse is the star of it and she's basically a matchmaker and she goes around matching people up, but ultimately realizes that, you know, she's been matching um, the object of her affection with other people, but that her heart heart is taken by him. Yeah. And I, I always love that kind of when love sneaks up on you in these stories and in period pieces, I think that can often happen where they, they don't think that they like them, but then they realize ultimately that their heart is just burning, you know, for this yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Emma. It's, it's uh, the only book in Jane Austen, oddly enough, that has like any substantial romantic dialogue. Most of her books, if you really, because we think, oh, they're, her books are all about romance, but uh, they're, they're really not. They're about these women that have to make choices in their lives. And that was the big thing. I mean, that was the choice the people, the women had in that day is who are they going to marry? Right. And uh, and so it's, it's sometimes a little bit frustrating when I'm reading Jane Austen. It's like, uh, Mr. Darcy said what was appropriate for a man deeply in love. And I'm like, no, I want to know what he said. Like, <laughs> yes. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yes. And but, I, I think yeah. I, I'm not a huge Gwyneth Paltrow fan yeah. per se, but this was back in the day where she was kind of the ingenue and she was, you know, sweet and innocent eyed. And there was something about her that I just think really worked in this role yeah. where she's kind of flitting about, um, trying to match people up. And then, you know, against, like you said, the society's rules and all of this proper formalities yeah. uh, until she can finally really speak her mind on it. 
Yeah, and she's a flawed character that grows. It's very dynamic through the story. Uh, she uh, she makes mistakes. She can be unlikable at times. Uh, she uh, you know is definitely a better person by the end of the the movie slash book than at the beginning, and so that makes uh, that makes you engaged in the story. I think. Yeah, I like to see that growth. Plus, um, Alan Cummings as Mr. Elton is hilarious. Yeah. So good. So good, yes. <laughs> Sometimes we like it just for even that one ancillary character, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, and then Mrs. Elton in that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she is so good. I don't know who that actress is, but she does a great job. Oh, yeah, and she shows up in a few different period pieces. Yeah, she is hilarious. Wonderful. Uh, so good pick. That was one I watched. Uh, I came out when I was in high school, I believe, and that was one that was heavy on the rotation. Oh, same. So, I, I and I had the VHS if that dates me a little bit in college, and I think I broke it because I would watch it <laughs> over and over and over. Yeah. Have you have you seen the most recent PBS version? Mola, uh, I started it, but now that you told me that, I never finished it. <laughs> How recent is it? Is it like about? Um, I think. Let me check. That's Johnny Lee Miller in it, and yes, yes. And I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2009. Yeah, yeah, I have seen it. Yeah. Back when so you know Masterpiece did, um, they did a new adaptation of all, like most Jane Austen mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. They did every single one except for uh, Pride and Prejudice because what do you do? It's yeah. Yeah, it's been done as best as you can do it. <laughs> yes. I agree. So, More on that topic later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, very very good. I I love I love that pick. All right. Well, my number four is uh, Howard's End. Oh, so oh. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my number four. Uh, it's. Uh, it's a book that I love by Ian Forster and it's a uh, movie that I think is just about perfect. And what I think is so impressive about Howard's end is the way that every character, even very small characters get a full arc and a full story. And I think that's what separates a good movie uh, where there's just a hero and the one character gets a full story for a great movie is when something is so rich that just a minor character you're invested in that character and i think that they do a really great job because uh the uh the schlegel sisters are just part of the story and they like nobody nobody is a villain in this movie and it would be so easy to make uh, to make the Wilcoxes just like these evil, evil rich people, you know, that you see all the time, but they're not. And Henry Wilcox is not an evil man. He is a flawed man, but, uh, but he's not, yeah, he's not a wicked person. He's not a Scrooge. He's not a whatever. And, uh, and I don't know. I just, I, I love, I love that. It just makes it so interesting to me. And I think uh, it's, uh, it's, very moving to follow each one of the characters and their uh, their experience and it's all kind of anchored by this 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 house you know this is Sour's end and and uh and how kind of symbolic that is of of wealth and of their different because you've got the schlegels are kind of this uh this idealized uh version of uh uh the Schlegel sisters are kind of uh, in a, what would you call like an educated first class kind of uh, people that they think they know what's best for kind of everybody. They think they know what the Wilcoxes should be doing. They think they know what the Bash should be doing uh, and they have all these philosophies, but they're not, they're, they're very protected so they, they can easily live uh, off of these philosophies and off of these things and have this idealistic view uh, because the Wilcoxes, they as as the elites have to make choices they're accountable for, but then also the Bass, on the other hand, are pay the price of those choices. And anyway, and I just love uh, Emma Thompson, incredible Helena Bottom Carter, Anthony Hopkins. He has a scene in the movie that makes me cry every time, and he's a character that should be very unlikable, but I'm invested. 
and I think Vanessa Redgrave's incredible in it. Merchant and Ivory, uh, they were incredible in that era in the 90s, and uh, the whole thing looks beautiful and lush, and I don't know, I just love the characters. I think it is such a rich, beautiful movie, and so if you haven't seen it, uh, definitely check it out. I think we've both seen it. Yeah, it was on our honorable mentions. I mean, it really deserved probably to be higher now that you're talking about it. It's a moving one. It yeah. really is. It, it, it's deeply moving. Yeah. It's just a great script. And it's probably because it's just a great book. I just love it. So, uh, so Jenny, what is your next one? Next choice. So I, I'm going to admit that Laura and I have the same number four. <laughs> yes. and okay, good. We're originally going to do a single list. And then we couldn't, we couldn't decide who could have this one. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yes. We wanted to do one Hallmark movie. We were inspired by your recent Sarah Jane and Paul, or Sarah Plain and Paul. That's the sequel, uh, Sarah Jane. You know, a podcast. Um, and so it's an older Hallmark Hall of Fame. We, I don't think you've ever mentioned it. And I apologize. My apologies if you have. It's The Magic of Ordinary Days from 2005. Yeah with Carrie Russell and Skeet Ulrich and Mary Winningham. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we ever really have mentioned it. We certainly haven't reviewed it any, anyway, so it's a great yeah. choice. The, this is a family fave. We, we just love it. I mean, you would think the title right away, so you're like, ordinary days, no thanks, I live it every day. But um, that's what makes it so beautiful. It's, it's all in the title. It's, it's really slow moving, but there's something about that that it just kind of builds this relationship. I don't know if you want to go into the plot a little, but you know, it's set in like kind of like the World War II post-war area. Um, it does have a subplot about some friends that um, Carrie Russell, who's the uh, lead, um, makes who are in a nearby uh, internment camp. But it's it's a little different than the, the modern Hallmark movie because it deals with an issue, which is that, you know, she is um, an unwed, um, soon-to-be mother. She's pregnant and her her father, who is um, some sort of minister, uh, essentially conspires with a minister in a small town to marry her off to this simple farmer who agrees to it and agrees to raise the yeah. child as his own. And um, and she's disappointed because she's been to college and she really envisioned this kind of cosmopolitan life for herself as an yeah. archaeologist. And literally they are on this farm and unlike like you know like the modern hallmark movie where the farm is just gorgeous you know this this is a place that it looks kind of desolate and you know yeah. and she just has to kind of adapt to the fact that this is her new life and for a while she pines for her um the father of her child who never shows up he's a great character that never shows up so we can hate him unabated yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, eventually falls in love with the, the farmer and realizes the beauty in this like simple life. Yeah, I mean, we, we're suckers for arranged marriage. I know that <laughs> if someone actually arranged my marriage, I may have a different opinion. But I mean, how can you not root for characters who are married from the get-go, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we see this again, even sometimes in, you know, modern films, this, this trope is kind of pulled out, whether it's like, I woke up in Vegas married. But it's kind of neat to see you start from that place and then kind of work backwards where, you know, it's really building and there's no reason you, you shouldn't be together. You're already married, but you're in separate bedrooms or you're yeah. not sure how you feel about each other. And there's kind of loyalty and duty and just kind of a pure connection there. And it, it's, it's really beautiful. And I have a couple of friends who do have, who've had arranged marriages in other cultures and uh -huh. it, it really does work out beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I'm 38 and single, so it, it, it doesn't sound as bad as now as it might have I am as well, and I, but only, you know, if it's skeetal rich. Hey, I, I've been married yeah. for 15 years, and I'll tell you what, I kind of feel like an arranged marriage has just as good of a chance after you've been through it. You think at the end of the day, you're just waking up and making breakfast, right? So, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a really good one for people who have, and I don't know what it is. It, it, it's kind of like watching paint dry a little bit, and yet you just feel super moved by it. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a great choice. I really wish that Hallmark would do another period piece as part of Hallmark Hall of Fame. It just feels like lately the Hallmark Hall of Fames have been slightly gussied up Hallmark movies like just a little bit better cast a little bit more budget but it'd be really cool if they really set it apart like they used to and uh, and made it something very different in feel uh, 
that I'm going to talk a little bit uh, later, but I would love for them to do like a little women to do a, uh, to do an Anna Green Gables. Uh, something like that would be really cool. I mean, it would be really cool if they did like a, a, a traditional Dickensian and Christmas Carol. That would be amazing. Yes. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, and they would, they would knock it out of the park. I really think they would. And yeah. they have in the past, some of these Hallmark Hall of Fames hold up to these, you know, uh, big budget period yeah piece. yeah i think so for sure so that's a a, a great choice for sure so laura what is your what, oh wait you both had it as yours yes. okay yeah sorry that's that, right no that's, that's fine where i can chime in on that except to say that i guess there was supposed to be a sequel it was uh greenlit and everything so i don't know hallmark if you can get those people now they have emmys and <laughs> and are under, they're under contract they have to do it <laughs> They have to do it. Maybe. But very cool. I like that choice. All right. Well, my third choice is a Best Picture winner, and it is Amadeus. <laughs> I told you someone would do it. So what I think is so brilliant about Amadeus, it's, it's, it's fiction. It's not accurate to what really happened as far as we know. But what I think is so brilliant about it is that uh, it's this uh, – conversation about uh about the frustration of you know you work so hard at something and yet here's somebody who comes along who's just naturally just better than than you and it doesn't even matter you could work salier could work his whole life and he did uh and he would never be as good as mozart and and salieri is he blames God on this. He says, how could you bestow these gifts upon a buffoon? How could that be? And he lets this envy that he feels for Mozart, uh, just eat at him and eat at him until he's basically ends up murdering him. And he justifies it, uh, as this, uh, as this revenge against God. And I think that's really interesting. I, I, when I, when I reviewed the movie Whiplash, which I like fine, uh, but I think it's, it's an interesting, I used Amadeus as a counter uh, example because in Whiplash, it's assumed that, that people from their experience and from their, uh, how they are trained and how they are taught and everything like that is the de defining characteristic between great between good good music and great music mm -hmm. right and so it justifies all this terrible behavior which is crazy uh, but the, Amadeus is kind of saying the reverse that it doesn't matter how hard you know you're you're trained or taught or what you know happens it's just you either got it or you don't have it mm -hmm. and uh, and so I I think that for the most part that's that's probably more true. I think yeah. that uh, there's, there's just some people that have got it. It's a movie that don't. And I love the sequences in this movie where he's uh, reading the music and it starts to, he starts to kind of play it in his head and it just takes his breath away. I think all those scenes are done so well. And uh, I think that they managed to make both, Salieri and Mozart, very interesting characters and very, uh, you know, on one hand, he's just like this easy buffoon, uh, Mozart, but then you see these more heartbreaking moments and I, I know, I just love it. I think it's, it's a math. It truly is a masterpiece of a movie. I love all the opera scenes are incredible. So yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite best picture winners. It agreed. It's, it's fantastic. And costume game and powdered wigs are oh, strong yeah. in that movie. and it holds yeah. up it holds up to the test of time and yeah that it's still relevant to yeah. today yeah and the best picture winners in the 80s are mm, a little a little <laughs> hit and miss i'll tell you that right now but this is definitely there, there, there was some behind the scenes pay <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> yeah i'm not a fan of terms of endearment myself Ooh. <laughs> The movies are rough for me but yeah but this one is great and it looks great it was all filmed in in prague which is a very old feeling city because mm -hmm. it was never really modernized the way that because of the communists and uh and that you know the russians that were 
ruling uh, at that time. And so it just has this old feel to it and it, it just gives an added dimension. So anyway, I love it. And so Jeannie, what's your number three? Uh, it's also from the 1980s and I believe it was best foreign film um, winner at the Oscars. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Cinema Paradiso. Oh, it's a good one. So this Great is one. An Italian film, but probably one of the better known foreign films uh, here in the United States. And um, uh, it's a uh, post-World War II. It's set in a, so, okay, I'm cheating a little because some of the movie is set in modern times or modern to the point at which it was filmed. But the majority of it occurs yeah. in a flashback in post-World War II in a small Italian village. Um, and it's a, a fatherless uh, boy uh, befriends uh, the, the guy who runs the local movie theater, the projector. And when that man, um, whose name is Alfredo, is blinded in a movie theater accident um, due to the, the old film they were using, um, uh, he trains the boy to help him run the movie theater. And it's just such a, it's a great coming of age story. It's a great kind of mentor story. If you're into mentor stories like Goodwill Hunting or something like that, the love between this boy and this older man. And um, then it's also uh, just a great testament to film, you know, and there's this fantastic montage at the end of the film where um, over the years in the, the Italian movie theater, the, the local priest was able to censor the movies and he had them, you know, physically cut out of the uh, projection reel, the, um, all of the kissing scenes in all of the movies yeah. they were yeah. showing. And when Alfredo finally dies at this point, Salvatore the boy is um, a famous filmmaker and he returns to the village for the funeral and, and uh, Alfredo's widow gives him a reel and the reel is all of the kissing scenes spliced back together. And it's just, it, you do not have a heart if you can watch that movie and see that scene and not just like really get it in the gut. I'm not a big crier in movies, but that one gets me every time. Yeah. That's such a great choice. And it has such potential to be really cloying, but because there's nothing, obviously it's going to win best foreign film because there's nothing in Hollywood likes more than movies about how great movies are. Yeah, and how great sure. Hollywood is. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, it really is, it's just such a sweet, uh, lovely little movie, very touching, uh, about how I think anything that, uh, that any dream that you have can really carry you through the tough times of life, whether it's movies or whatever. I agree. And yeah, it does border on cloying, but I just, for me, um, I saw it recently after having not seen it many, many years. And I was like, you know what? I still love it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I did. Uh, I'll put a link uh, over on my other channel. I did. A, a, we did a whole podcast on it for a, a show I used to do called Chicks on Flicks. And uh, so I'll put a link down to that. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It's just so heartfelt and sweet and yeah, good choice. Well, and Jenny, back in her pre-attorney days, uh, actually, you know, you graduated in film and worked oh. in the film industry in Hollywood. So I remember just, I don't know, when you're talking about actual old-time film, you worked in that for a bit and yeah. had some background in the movie theaters actually splicing film. <laughs> yeah, and well, and I think that, Rachel, you should have a shared background with us where we went to a school that for a while would actually <laughs> cut scenes out of settings. All right. <laughs> she, she had the job of cutting out, uh, you know, questionable scenes, but she had to watch them over and over to do so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, we all have the same, same alma mater. So. Yes. Woo! Go Cougars. Yeah. Uh, very good. So, Laura, what is, is your number three? Okay, so I, I have three kids, three girls, uh, 12, 9, and 7, and so I had to go with a family one that kind of breaks period piece uh, tradition, <laughs> which is Nanny McPhee. I love this oh. movie. Technically, it counts. It's a little bit outside the box because it's a fantasy. It's a comedy, uh -huh. um, but it does have Emma Thompson, which I think is yeah. a stamp of approval and Colin Firth. So what, what more can you want? But this movie is actually super sweet as well as funny. Um, it's about a, it's a, an 1880s um, Victorian England, and there's a widow who has seven unruly children. Colin Firth is this widow, and he's mourning the loss of his wife. His kids are out of control. Um, you know, one of them tells the nanny to call him Bosoms McGee, so you know that they're just not falling in line with the proper society. 
and it, it evolves. He, he ends up getting engaged to just a terrible woman that you don't want him to be with and then slowly comes around to realize that his scullery maid, who he is kind of dependent on to help the kids, that he has fallen in love with her. Yeah. It's, it's really quite sweet at the end and also hilarious. And we quote it a lot at our house. So if, if you haven't seen it, again, sets kind of like Marie Antoinette, everything is just done in bold colors. Emma Thompson with her warts that slowly fade. She's very Mary Poppins. You know, she uses a hint of magic to, but is always very proper. So I, I, I really enjoy this film. And I think that it also can be rewatched over and over. Yeah. Yeah. It is really, really fun. I, I, I really like, uh, you know, just Emma Thompson's the best in that film. I mean, I, I love Mary Poppins and I loved Mary Poppins Returns so much. And so I, it's definitely a trope that, that just works for me. So I think it's a really interesting choice. I wouldn't have thought of that one. But. Yeah, it, it kind of came to me last minute where I was just thinking of what are the ones that I watch over now? I thought, you know what? I love it and I'm going to put it in and come at me. So. <laughs> Very good. All right. I love that. And, uh, yeah, and Colin Firth, so, so good in that. Very sweet. So yeah, he, he needs to pay more attention to people. It was love actually. He's just like completely yes. clueless. He's out of being clueless about love, but you know what? We love it. We like, we like him fumbling through yeah. it. I mean, it's like Bridget Jones. He's like, get it together, man. But, uh, but anyway, very good. All right. Well, my number two is another best picture winner. It's Lawrence of Arabia. All right. And Lawrence of Arabia, I'd heard so much about it, and I was like, oh, it's so long. What am I, am I going to want to watch this movie? Uh, and then I, I watched it for an episode of this old show, Chicks on Flicks, that we did. And I was blown away. Not only is, is it, of course, the cinematography and the music and the, the acting, all incredible. Uh, it may be the, the best cinematography ever in the history of movies. It's certainly in the conversation for sure. Uh, but I actually think that Lawrence is a very, very engaging character. He is so, uh, there's times when he's very infuriating. There's times when he's foppish and just kind of irritating. There's times when you just love him and he's, you know, he's, he, he's just so layered and he's so interesting. And I loved uh, just following his story. And so it manages to be big and epic uh, at the same time of being very, like very a character piece and about him. And I, I just, I loved it. I walked away being like, that is a movie that is worthy of the hype. It's as good as people say it is, in my opinion. It's not one of those old movies where you're like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not that great. Uh, I don't know. I, I absolutely love Lawrence Arabia. I mean, there's some, some like brown face stuff that's not maybe the best, but other than that, I think it's pretty close to perfect. I mean, there's, there's, scenes where he gets like assaulted and you're really shocked and horrified for him and you're really feeling for him then there's really funny scenes he's just such an engaging wonderful dynamic character and uh i i just think it's great yeah i had a bad experience with that movie when i was in college i worked uh -oh. at a college television station and we were airing um the Lawrence of Arabia and I was working the master control board and the, the other student who had set up the tapes skipped a reel of it. And uh, it was one of the worst nights of my life. because we, <laughs> we couldn't go back and show it because then we would have be showing parts of it twice and that would have violated our license. And there were a lot of crawls across the screen and then like extra episodes of Little House on the Prairie at the end to meet, make up for the time. And <laughs> oh no. <laughs> haven't been able to watch it since. And a lot of <laughs> oh no angry elderly people yes <laughs> yes i would be angry i'm like where's the rest of the movie it's so yeah. good it would throw yeah. me off we we skipped a part in the middle so oh no that's some funny. of those epics though they're really great and i don't know yeah. i feel like there's a lot of long movies these days but they don't do the same sweeping storytelling um yeah they get the epicness but then they forget the characters mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. to make it's the characters compelling CGI. Yeah, yeah, you know, not character. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, yeah, ex yeah, for sure. So, 
Uh, all right, Jenny, what's your number two? Oh, my number two, you know, I have another uh, Merchant Ivory <laughs> E.M. Forrester adaptation. I'm sure you can guess what it is. Yeah. 1985's Room with a View. Oh, so um, good. This okay. is something that, you know, when I was in college, we watched over and over again. And I was thinking about it, you know, it's about um, Helena Bonham Carter is Lucy Honeychurch, and she's engaged to Daniel Day-Lewis. Who's Who is so hilarious. <laughs> one, of, uh, one of my favorite roles of him in a lifetime of fantastic roles. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, he, you know, he's a little prim and not very fun. And, um, you know, she's on vacation with her aunt, who's Maggie Smith. <laughs> they meet Judy Dench, who's this like kind of crazy author. And um, she falls in love with the eccentric George Emerson, who's played by Julian Sands. And you are definitely voting for this relationship. But, you know, now that I'm older, sometimes I look back and I'm like, I, I think maybe Cecil would have been a better choice for us. <laughs> he just seems like George is almost too quirky and you're going to have a lot of, you know, awkward moments being yeah. married to this man. But, um, <laughs> but uh, still, I just, you know, I've seen it so many times that it's almost lost its effect. But, you know, the first time I saw it, you just think it's the most romantic movie you've ever seen because he just sees her across the field and runs oh and kisses her. Oh. And probably one of the, the best kissing scenes ever in a movie. <laughs> for so sure. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, that... <laughs> It definitely is one of one of my favorite kissing scenes for sure in a movie, and yeah, I think uh, Daniel Day Lewis, what he does with that little tiny part is he takes a character that you should kind of hate, that's just like this yeah. shallow, but you actually kind of feel sorry for him by the end of it because yeah. I don't know, there's just something, there's a layer there. Which I gives, agree to yeah. the point that in my old age I'm questioning her choice. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's a really good one. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you picked it. It, it is technically rated R, but it's really stupid rated R. It's just for, <laughs> uh, just for one scene, skinny dipping scene at the very beginning, which isn't even like, I, it's so stupid. It's so not just that part and, and you're fine. I agree with that. I, I even forget it has that scene because I think, you know, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. go past it. Um, <laughs> That's right. Very, very good pick. I love that. Uh, so, Laura, what's your number two? Okay, I may or may not be stealing your thunder here, but I'm going with Little Women. Uh -huh. um, this is the 1994 version. Oh, um, obviously, been tons of Little Women done. And, you know, when you name this cast, Winona Ryder, Claire Danes, you've got um, Christian Bale, you have uh, Kirsten Dunst again, and Samantha Mathis. I mean, all, all sorts of people in this, and you might think, how does that work? <laughs> At the time that it came out, I remember thinking these are all these kind of, you know, indie edgy people. And yet it's beautiful. It's really well done. And we've watched it so many times. And as sisters, writers, this one really speaks to me. I just love, love the way they build the, the family dynamic and the way that our, your affections shift over time. Because of course you have Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy and uh, yeah. You know, Megan is so proper, but she falls in love. Joe thinks that she knows what she wants, but it changes over time as she matures. And yeah. it, it's just really beautiful to me. Um, and so we all know the story of it. But what, what's ultimately the best message for me is just kind of enduring love and family. Uh, yeah, I love Little Women. And I think that is by far the... Well, I know the one with Kath Harper is really good too, but, uh, but those two are definitely by far and away the best versions of Little Women. I, I love that, that 1994 version and uh, they do a really good job making you feel like, what is she doing? Why is she saying no to Lori? You know, because it's Christian Bale and it's just the way they do it is really good. The, I think the worst version, well, I really hated last year. There was a a uh, modernized version. Oh yeah, where they made. It was a miss uh, for me. Did you see it? I did. It was a miss for me. Yeah, meh, huge yeah. miss. I just thought they made they made Joan such a jerk. I mean, she's always a little bit yeah, obviously independent, uh -huh. Uh -huh. a little bit selfish. But like, I, it was the only time I've ever seen a version where I was like, yeah, you burn her book because she's a jerk and she deserves <laughs> it yeah he's mean and i i just ugh, i didn't like it and then also there was a bad version last year on pbs that was a traditional version mm -hmm. um it had angela lansbury who was amazing but 
you know, I found it very, a lot of their choices very weird and I didn't really like it. Um, so those kind of experiences make me, make me feel like, wow, that movie, the 1994 version is really good. Cause you've seen all these people trying to do it and do it badly. And, uh, yeah, it's, I love the music in it. I love all, you know, yeah, all the costuming is great. All the performances are pretty, pretty much great. I'm not a huge fan on, uh, of, I think it's Samantha Mathis is the older Amy. Yeah. I I don't love the older Amy either. I don't know what it is about it. Um, but it didn't quite nail the connection. I, she felt maybe not right for him. Yeah. Chemistry wise. Yeah. But I love the ending, uh, you know, where they're in the, they're in the rain and I've got such small hands. (laughs) Not empty now. That's really great. Not empty now. I know. And I, I think about, I quote this movie a lot and I've introduced it to my own girls and I think it really uh, teaches lessons on heartbreak and growing up and you can really feel that pain and think what? And then you see how something better comes along and that happens a lot in life and love. Yeah. But you, you really can get short-sighted in those younger years. So that part's beautiful to me. But yeah, there's 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 a lot of yeah. things. And Beth, oh, my dear Beth, you know. And Oh, my gosh. Why does everybody, you know, want to, to leave? And she's yeah. so happy to stay. I think about that often. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Beth. <laughs> oh, I remember when I first read that and I was just devastated. I was yeah. so sad. Well, I know. But it's, it's so good. And it just reminds you that everybody uh, is is fighting different battles and everybody's valuable in a family and, and uh, it's, it's great. Very good choice. All right. All right. Well, my number one is very exciting. It's a little bit of a cheat because it's not technically a movie, okay. but I think it feels cinematic. I think it's a movie is Anna Green Gables, 1985. Uh, the, uh, it was one of the first, and it was the first, uh, thing that Amber and I ever podcasted about was uh, getting ready for Anne with an E, which, ugh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that this is perfect. It, it's so great. Uh, the casting is so great. The way that they capture both the sort of tragedy of Anne and, and, but then also the hopefulness that even in her darkest times, she has this, she's, she's creating window friends. She's, uh, she's making her imagination kind of safer from these hard experiences that she's had. And uh, as she kind of learns to be sort of loved and as Marilla also learns to be loved by Anne and uh, that that's just such a sweet, lovely uh, relationship and their, their characters are very dynamic and they grow. And Matthew is just like the perfect person. He's so just you can't not love Matthew he's incredible and I I love all the casting in this I love the music I love uh just I love Gilbert in this he's amazing (laughs) we all do just the the second one isn't as good it's it doesn't hold up as well as this one but uh but I I don't know I just I just love it so it's uh it's my number one that's a great one. I think to, you know, our generation, at least that is Anne of Green Gables. Oh yeah. You know? Like I saw it and then I read the books. Um. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. And Anne, the, I, I read all the Anne of Green Gables books and man, I was an Anne. I lived in my imaginary world and had my own rules and my own drama in my head. And yes. it was so fun to read about someone who took life that way. Yeah. Um, sure. I really felt understood as a wacky six-year-old. That's such a great pick. Yeah. Well, all right, Jenny, what's your number one? It's very exciting. I'm not going to go too into it. You've already had a whole podcast on this, but I just have to go with the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, the Karen Knightley version directed by Joe Wright. Um, I want to be clear that I love the Colin Firth, Mr. Darcy. And it took me a long time. I I went to this back in 2005 with low expectations. (laughs) It has become my favorite version, and I stand by that. Um, and, uh, I love the look of it. I love how their house is kind of dirty. The Bennett's house is kind of dirty and chaotic. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just the way that it would be. And I I just really like it. And, and I also like, Joe Malone's my favorite Lydia, which is one of my favorite characters in the book. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Favorite, huh? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's really good. They're all really good. It's a really interesting version because they, 
kind of as opposed to being sort of stuck up and and pretentious they play darcy as being just kind of shy he's just sort of quiet and uh, i think awkward it's, you know it's such an iconic performance by colin firth that um Matthew McFadden probably just yeah. had to find something different yeah. while still yeah. being true to the source material. And he did a great job. You know, I, I really like him as an actor. Um, but, but I agree. It's, um, it's a little bit of a different interpretation of Darcy um, yeah. where I, I do think he's shy and awkward, but I think that we're supposed to believe that Elizabeth and the rest of the world that they live in uh, really takes this as being arrogant instead. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean it, it's it's really good and beautifully filmed and and you can tell that the emphasis was on lizzie's growth and changing i think because Keira knightley was the star as opposed to most of the time it's the darcy character that does most of the changing and growing but uh, they took a different approach and I, I i appreciate that i i i really i really like it so very good choice all right Laura, what is your okay, name? Uh, final one as you can tell, I like Emma Thompson. I went with Sense and Sensibility. Oh, yeah. This is one that I can watch over and over. 1995. It's got Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet, who I don't necessarily love Kate Winslet in this, but that's what works for me because she's like both unlikable and likable. And at yeah. the end of the day, it reminds you again of this whole sisterhood family relationship. There's these three sisters and Emma Thompson is you know, kind of the spinster and you just root for all of them in different ways. You see the different place they're at in their life. Um, Hugh Grant is in this. And of course, uh, Emma Thompson's character, you know, Marianne, or uh, sorry, Eleanor, uh, just doesn't think it's possible to be with him. Ultimately things change, but it, it, the yearning, the yearning, you can feel it through the screen. And why do we like Hugh Grant? I don't know. Every character he plays, there's the standoffishness to him, but somehow you just root for Hugh in these movies. And um, when they come together and it, it's really nice. And of course the story, Kate Winslet's character, you know, falls in love with Willoughby um, and really is convinced that she loves this dashing young man. And, and he turns out to not necessarily betray her, but she thinks they're going to get together and that she'll be proposed to. And he ends up having, um, gotten someone pregnant and has yeah, to scandal scandalous scandalous <laughs> breaks her heart more than anything and then she turns around her affections uh uh alan rickman so good in this yeah. um as uh, colonel brandon and she ultimately realizes that he is someone who will be there for her and who loves her and again a different kind of love there's the hot lusty love and then there's the stable yeah. secure enduring love and mm -hmm. that's what she ends up finding and so it, yeah. it, it it makes me swim yeah it's so good i absolutely love it i it's got some weird casting but it actually ends up i think working like i would never have thought to cast hugh grant as this sort of uh awkward shy uh, uh -huh. you know sort of pushover character like he's typically your leading man your you know kind of uh I don't know, just different than that. And so, but it works. It just works. And, you know, I think Alan Rickman's kind of weird casting, but it, it works. It's great. It makes it memorable, I think. And, and I, I love the ending of that movie when she just starts to ugly cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's so good because I don't know. I think most, most, most movie, most directors wouldn't make that choice. And it just makes it feel very human. And she's yeah. bottling all this up and all of a sudden she's all those years of just kind of pushing it down and now she's so relieved. I, I love yeah, that yeah. thing too. Yeah, so good. Well, very good. This has been a lot of fun. I think if you watched all of these movies, you'd have a pretty amazing time. Oh yeah. It would be pretty good. <laughs> I think these are good entry too for people who might be scared of period pieces. Yeah. All of these have storylines that are interesting and you can be drawn in even if you're not a history buff. Yeah. Like costume. Oh, well, and quite a bit of variety. I mean, everything from Nanny McPhee to, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. That's yeah. it's, so there's, yeah, there's that's... more variety than you think yes. in this era. And uh, so let's go over our list really quick. So for me, I have Love and Friendship at number five. I have Howard's End at four, Amadeus at three, Lawrence of Arabia at two, and Anna Green Gables at number one. So, uh, so Jenny, what's your list? 
I have Marie Antoinette at five, The Magic of Ordinary Days at number four, Cinema Paradiso at number three, Room with a View at number two, and Pride and Prejudice at number one. Great list. All right. Okay, uh, I've got, uh, number five, Emma, and number four also, I have The Magic of Ordinary Days, three, Nanny McPhee, two Little Women, and number one, Sense and Sensibility. Very great. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. No, this is great to share Hallmark and period pieces in common. It's a rare find, I think. <laughs> yeah. You're in spirits now. Well, we'll definitely have you back on again. This was really fun. And where can people find you on social media and all that fun stuff? Uh, we're, we're, we're on Twitter, um, at Sander Sisters. Um, and you can pretty much just wait to find us on a television near you. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, get these scripts, Hallmark. Right. <laughs> yes, you know who you are who are reading them. <laughs> Very good. So uh, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and on YouTube, all of our social media. Really appreciate you checking that out. And make sure you're following the podcast, Hallmarkies Pod, all over the place. And if you're listening on iTunes, if you can give us your ratings and reviews, we really appreciate it. And uh, if you're listening on or watching on YouTube, because give us a thumbs up and a subscription. We really appreciate that as well. And if you have any ideas for what you would like our next top five uh, for April to be, please let us know. We would love to hear your suggestions. So thanks so much, you guys. And we'll talk again soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>